on Tuesday morning, we had a couple of people meeting at different places in the city, praying for our city. Wednesday evening, we met at our house and we prayed for the nations. Had an incredible time just praying for some of the African nations where we already have church plants and praying for the word of God to go out. And then Friday evening, everyone met at our house again. And, and we decided that it's not good enough to just pray for our community from our garage. So we sent people out to four strategic spots in the city. And we said, go and pray for the city there where you are. And I know Mike took our two boys with him and they went with a group to Ilanga Mall. And they prayed for two guys in the mall. And one of the guys, Mike asked him, you know, do you, do you know the Lord? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? And he said, I do, but I've lost touch. And Mike said to him, you know, have you considered the fact that tonight God sent a man and his two sons to come to Ilanga Mall and you're the guy we found and you're the guy we want to pray for? Doesn't that say that God loves you and God is interested in you? And Mike then asked him, do you go to church and where do you live? And for those of you that know we meet in Marloth Street, this guy lives in Marloth Street, <laughs> all right? So the church is like literally next door to him. And um, another group went off to Mediclinic. They went and prayed for some people. And Ronaldo is just going to share quickly what they experienced there. Um, we had another group that went to pray at the um, public hospital there at, at Rob Ferreira as well. And then the fourth group went to Absa Square. They went and prayed for the city, the business sector. But Ronaldo is just quickly going to share what they experienced at Mediclinic. Thanks, Ronaldo. Hello, guys. How are you? Thanks for having us, Destiny. Um, it's a real honor and privilege to be here with you guys. I've been out of school for about six years now, and it's really fun to just be back in a school hall setting. And thank you, guys. Um, anyways, so yeah, we went to the hospital. It was a surprise to all of us. I think um, they, the, the leadership actually tried keeping it quiet because uh, maybe there would have been less attendees. Um, if they did say, listen, we're going out into the city. And uh, yeah, so we went and myself and Luan, my wife and Tatenda went um, to, to Mediclinic and, um, and Stephen, sorry Stephen. And uh, yeah, we were walking down the corridor and I passed this guy and I thought, he's in a wheelchair, it's in the hospital, he's trying to get out of the door. This is maybe the, let me, let me just talk to him. And I thought I'm going to walk past and about 20 meters past, I, I went back to him. Uh, started speaking to him and I found out He's actually in my line of work, and we had cool similarities. We could talk about he's, he's, he works right next to my site. So um, I'm making a, a long story very short now. We uh, started praying together. I asked him, do you know Jesus? And I, I have a, a bit of a history with um, praying for people for healing and stuff. So I, I actually didn't really want to do it because I've went through a, a few stuff with regards to that. And um, so I, I wanted to pray more into his life. Um, obviously, we're in a hospital, so he, if I started praying for healing, it's the obvious thing. So I wanted to speak into his life, and I, God gave me a bit of word for him, for his son. And then I felt, um, I shared, and, and the guys at the fast, um, at the prayer night will remember, we had a week of fasting, and through the week I shared, um, Friday night, I shared about a vision God gave me the whole week. He gave me this vision of, like a blue liquid, but it's in small pockets of like cells that flows through our bodies. And everywhere we step, it's like it drips off of our feet and our hands. And he, he reminded me of that there. 
and uh, I thought, okay, let me put my hand on this guy. On, uh, he ba basically, what happened to him is a bobcat, so that's like a front loader that um, almost cut his ankle off, so it wasn't cut off, and um, so he was there and, and, and for that, and I thought, okay, let me pray for him for this, because this is the vision God has been giving me, so it, it should, it should, it should be that um, if I put my hand on him, that this liquid should flow through. It was the vision that God gave me. It drips off. And uh, yeah, so I started praying for him for healing and uh, asked him, um, his name is um, Godfrey. So I said, Godfrey, how does it feel? He's looking at me he's like, nah, it's, it's painful. <laughs> so I was quite dis distraught. I was like, yes, I was really hoping this would work. Um, but left it there and, and um, kind of sagged my own head in, in, in disgust. Like, yes. And he starts, he starts making this funny face. I'm like, Godfrey, what's up? No, it's, I don't know. This, this leg is, something's going on. So he said, the, the, the pain is gone. And I said, no, man, don't joke with me. Because I've had, this is why I actually stopped doing stuff like this. Because you pray for people and it's, uh, no, it's, it, it, I've, I don't feel the pain anymore. And you, they make you excited. And then the next day you find them like, so it was, a, it was a kind of a thing that was bothering me. And I said, no, don't, don't play with me. And he, he actually got very serious. He said, listen, I swear to God. And he's like eating his finger. I swear to God, I don't know what happened here. But since you put your hand on my feet, something is going on here. And I told him, no, that's, that's where I could share. That, that's not my hand. It, it's Christ working through you, healing your body. And um, he started moving his foot. And he said, you see this, I couldn't have done this. So I don't know what happened. But I started moving my foot now. And he starts pressing. So basically, I want to make the injury a long story also short. He's got a massive infection. He was in the hospital since 2 December. He was released on 10 December. And he came, he came back beginning of Jan because there was worms in the... It started infecting. And once an infection is, is that severe, it seriously it, it, it hurts. So he starts pressing on this wound that was fully taped. And he's like, there's no pain. I don't know how to say this to you, but there's no pain. Before you took my trolley, because he was in a wheelchair, he says, before you took my wheelchair, I wanted to go get pain medication. Now I don't need pain medication. So I don't know what happened, but it's, it, it happened. And yeah, so that was, for me, it was very cool. And I got a word yesterday. Sorry, Linda, I just want to share this as well. Um, for me, it was weird. Because I was like, God, what do I do with this now? Because now we pray, this guy gets healed in front of me, which is a miracle. This is, it's not natural. Okay, so now, now we go back to where we were at Mike's house, and we continue with the braai, and we continue with our lives. And I thought to myself, yes, God, just now a miracle happens, and now I, I want to process this. I need to process this. It, it's real. And uh, last night I, I, I was busy reading the word and um, I read 1 Corinthians 4 and not by accident. I was reading 1 Corinthians, I was going through 1 Corinthians and I'm at 4. And then the last two verses, it says here, the last three verses, Paul writes to the church of Corinth. But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills and I will find out not the talk, uh, I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but in power. And that gave me my answer. That's where God told me, listen, this healing, is a, it, that's, that's 
the thing that, that it, it, how can I say, that's the definition of my kingdom. That's the power. It's not about the talk. It's not the eloquence. It's not me standing here with a mic and making you guys feel with a mic, but making you guys feel all good and you get, you get pumped up to go home and do nothing. The kingdom of God is power and it's power flowing through us, each one of us here, whether it's healing, whether it's praying in tongues, whether it's word of knowledge, prophecy, each one of us, the kingdom of God is in us. And it's to the measure of your faith that you will live that out. Wow, I don't think I need to even share any further than, than that. Thanks, Ronaldo. But what I want to quickly do this morning is you'll see on the PowerPoint, if you can see it there at the, from the back, I'm going to go through just highlighting the six sessions that we did on grace. And then I'm just going to add a little bit on top of that, all right? So the first day, we did justifying grace. Oh, sorry, the kids can go. I actually thought they're all gone already. It's so quiet. Okay. No, no. All right. So we've been preaching even before this week of prayer and fast. We had a couple of sermons and we started looking at justifying grace. Justifying grace means our sins are forgiven. We are declared innocent and guiltless, we have been absolved. We were sinners, Jesus died and he said, now you are guiltless. And that's in Titus 3 verse 7. Go and read it if you haven't read these. Number two was inviting grace. We're in Hebrews 4:16. it says, so let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. At his throne, we will find grace to help us when we need his help. Third one was sanctifying grace. Now, sanctifying grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And 2 Titus 2.12 says, in this present age, which means today, today I can live a life that is self-controlled, upright, and godly because of God's grace. Number four was enriching grace, having all sufficiency in all things at all times in order to be generous. And can you believe our generosity produces thanksgiving in others? When we are generous, we cause other people to give thanks to God when we give God the glory for our generosity. If I give someone money and I say, hey, you know, I want to bless you because I'm a good person, and, and I don't say, you know what, I want to bless you because God has blessed me. When that person receives that blessing, your generosity, they can say, thank you, God. Not thank you, Linda, thank you, Lazan. No, no, thank you, God, because you grace them to be generous. Number four is some, number five, sorry, is sufficient grace. His grace is sufficient for me so that his power can rest on me. And that is what Ronaldo was speaking about as well, is God's power rests on us because of his grace that is sufficient in all circumstances at all times. 
And then number six, the last one was overcoming grace. Sin will have no dominion since we are under grace. Now, I was reading through this, and as I was preparing, I just noticed again this week, is there anything else that we really need in our lives to live, to be the people that God has made us to be other than grace? If we think about grace, absolutely every aspect, every area of our lives is covered by grace. The first breath I breathed was by the grace of God. And the last breath I breathe will be the grace of God. And everything in the middle, I stand here today by the grace of God. And we need to understand grace. And last night, Mike said to me, are you ready for tomorrow morning? And in all honesty, I said to him, you know what? I don't feel ready. I don't feel like I can bring together a whole week where we've been looking at grace and, and truly being able to explain grace. I don't feel like I can do that. And after about an hour of us talking, and yes, but I'm going to say this, and yes, I'm going to add this, and Mike giving me some ideas, I still sat there, and we both just looked at each other, and we were like, we just can't explain it, can we? <laughs> and, and Mike just smiled, and he says, but that's probably a good thing, because if we could, we would have arrived. We would be God. If we could actually fully explain grace to you this morning, then I could stand here this morning and say, I've arrived. I'm perfect. I am God. The reality is there's an aspect of grace that we will never understand. It's too big for us to comprehend as humans. It's outside of a time frame that we cannot comprehend. Grace speaks about our sins that are forgiven past, present, and future. Jesus knew everything we've done and everything we're going to do. And not just you and me, but generations past and generations to come. And he died on the cross for those sins. We can't understand that. I cannot wrap my mind around a God that would do that, firstly. That firstly would say, I give you my precious son, Jesus, to take on the penalty that you should receive. And there are two things as Christians that we've got to grasp. Number one is we've got to believe we are as bad as God says we are. We are horrible sinners. If we sit here today thinking, I'm not so bad, I'm actually, I'm a good person, then we're in trouble because we are sinners. And sin is sin. I can't look around and go, ah, Almero's a much worse sinner than me. Should have seen what he was doing Saturday night. At least I was sitting on my stoop in the dark in load shedding. Don't know where he was. Okay, it doesn't, that's not what God is all about. There are no measures of sin. With God, sin is sin. Do we understand the horrible state that we are in as sinners? And number two is, do we understand how much God loves us? No matter how bad we are, do we understand how much he loves us? Because if we understand how horrible we are, we will repent. And if we understand how much he loves us, we will worship him. 
And those are the two things that we cannot move away from. And it's in those two things that we receive grace as well. Grace when we are saved. When we say, I am a horrible sinner, Jesus. Forgive me. And Jesus comes in and he says, I forgive you. Because of what I did on the cross for you, you are set free. And you will spend eternity with me. That is step one, okay? That is our first step, is salvation. Where from the moment you say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, you immediately get to spend eternity with him. Do you know that our breath, our, our lives on earth is like a breath? When you think of eternity. We can't compare the 70, 80, 90 years that we're, going, that we're on earth to what eternity looks like. We focus so much of our time on what's happening right now, my life right now, that we forget to prepare for eternity. What am I going to do for eternity? Am I going to be in Jesus' presence, singing praises to him, singing beautiful songs to him, looking in his eyes? Or where am I going to be for eternity? And there's part of us that says, how can it be so simple? How can it be so easy to just receive that grace? How can a gift that enormous be free to me? And that is where the mind-boggling, how on earth do I explain this to you, comes in. But all I can say with utter, utter confidence is Jesus stands before every single one of us and he says, here it is. All you need to do is take it. All you need to do is, Jesus, I receive your gift today and you will spend eternity with him. But a sickness that has climbed into our churches, I call this sickness super grace. I call this a grace where everything we do, every sin we do, we just cover it up. Oh, you know, God loves me so much. He's okay with me getting drunk every Saturday night. He loves me so much, it's okay. It doesn't bother him. It's okay. He'll forgive me. Yes, he will forgive you. But let's not cheapen what Jesus did on the cross. Do you think Jesus died the death he died on the cross so that we can just keep doing what we're doing? I want to give you an example of something that, um, as, as Mike was, was really seeking the Lord this week, he got this illustration, and I think it's a brilliant illustration on grace. Just imagine fish could talk, okay? And I take a fish out the water, if it was that simple. Like, any of you try to catch a fish by hand ever? Even those little nets, never works that easily. But just say, pick up a fish. I look him in the eyes, I say, hey, fish, explain water to me. Fish is going to go, no, nah, it's wet. Nah. I'm going to go, okay, cool. And I leave him outside on the dry ground for a few minutes. And I then pick him up just as he's breathing his last little breath and I throw him back into the water. He swims past me again and I pick him up and I say, okay, fish, can you explain water? I guarantee you this fish suddenly has a totally different understanding of water. 
because he got to spend time outside of the water. Suddenly he realizes that water gives me life. Water gives me breath. Water gives me food. Water gives me the ability to move. The water ends up being the absolute everything that this fish needs to live. And we are exactly the same. God created us to be in his presence. And it's only when we are outside of his presence and we come into his presence that we understand what we'd been missing when we were out of his presence. It's in his presence, in relationship with God, that we understand that absolutely everything we need for life is in Jesus. It's in what he did on the cross for us, and it's a free gift. But there's a reasonable response to that free gift. If I come up to one of you this morning and I say, give me your bank account, and right in front of you I EFT a million rand into your bank account, what is your response going to be to me? No one's excited about the idea of a million rand. Whoever responds, whoever responds best is going to get it. <laughs> nothing? Nothing. Okay. I'll keep it. <laughs> I'll keep it to myself. But if someone did that to me, I think initially I'd be speechless. But then I'd realize the only thing I really can do is say thank you. Is there anything else I could possibly do other than say thank you. I'll probably say thank you so many times that the person would want to slap me after a while and say, okay, enough now. You've said thank you, all right? But then there's a response as well on what do I do with that money? Say I had a home loan that I needed to pay off and this person blessed me with that money and they said, yeah, pay off your home loan. And later they found out, oh, but I went to Las Vegas for a week and I gambled that million rand away. I think the person might be a little disappointed. They won't take the money back. Well, I wouldn't be able to pay them back anyway. But they won't take the money back, but there might be a bit of disappointment. And I'm not saying God expects us to do things to earn his love. I'm not saying that. Because for many of us who grew up in religious homes, you've heard, read your Bible, go to church, pray, and you have to do these things for God to love you. God loves you anyway. But I promise you, when you read your Bible, when you pray, when you go to church, you get to know him better. And you get to build a relationship with this person who's given you this incredible free gift. But I believe that there's a response from our side that is a reasonable response, and that is a life of worship. That is where every aspect of our lives worships God. And I saw a quote this week. That's a bit, <clears throat> Mike says it's too profound, but it's A.W. Tozer, and he always tends to put things in a very profound light. But he says, Worship that elevates the mind and raises to near rapture the soul, that is worship. Where all of us gets elevated, where every aspect of us is near rapture, which means almost in heaven, that is worship. Everything we do focused on Jesus, that is worship. 
And um, I think I've got one, one slide there. Um, there we go. So Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. He saved us, free gift. But then he becomes our Lord. And when he is our Lord, he, de- he delivers us from the love of sin. He rescues us from the habit of sin. And he sets us free from the desire of sin. I have so many times in my life I've heard people say, but I am free. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I'm free to drink when I want. I'm free to take drugs when I want. I can sleep around as much as I want. I'm free. And my question is, can you say no to those things? Because if you can walk away from all of that, then you are truly free. Because otherwise you're just their slave. Those things are your master. True freedom is when you can walk away from things and they don't have a hold on you. Where only Jesus is our Lord. And that is the aspect where super grace, I believe, has come in. And they've seen Jesus as our savior. I get to spend eternity with him, but they've left out the Lord. Jesus didn't just become our savior. He became our Lord. And our reasonable response to this Lord is to worship him, is to fall down before him and say, Lord, I give you my life. Do with my life what you have destined my life to be. And I want to read to you James 4, 4 to 6, because in order for us to receive grace, we need two things, faith and humility. Firstly, you receive grace purely by faith, where when Jesus gives you the gift, you take it. And he says, now you are saved. You will spend eternity with me. I'm your Lord and Savior. You say, thank you. You've got to believe it. That takes faith. But the next thing is humility. James 4, 4 to 6 says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And when I read the scripture, I just realized again, how many times have I read the God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble? And I thought, okay, cool. I can, I can be humble. I can humble myself, stay humble, realize that everything I do is because of God and only God. And when I was preparing, I looked at the top part from verse 4. And I often find that we take verses out of context and that's all we read. And we look, look at verse 6 and we go, oh, yay, God's going to give me more grace. But let's not forget what it says where it says he yearns jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell in us. He wants to dwell in us and he is jealous of that space in your soul and in your spirit that is his only. And because of that jealousy, he gives us grace to say no to sin. He gives us grace to say no to the things that take up his place in our lives because he's jealous for that space. He is jealous for every aspect in your life. Where Facebook takes up my time that should be his time, Jesus is jealous And he gives me the grace to say, okay, I'm not going to 
get addicted to Facebook again. Okay, this week I broke my addiction to Facebook. Amen? Anyone want to clap to that? Anyone else? <laughs> much, to, much to Mike's delight, I'm sure. But I decided this week as part of my fast, I'm not going to look at Facebook. And you know what? I didn't actually miss it. It chews my time for no purpose whatsoever, okay? But that's my conviction. I'm not saying stop Facebook, okay? It's just for me. But I realized when I read this verse again that Jesus is jealous. He's a jealous God. He wants all of you. And because he wants all of you, he gives you grace to be able to say no to the things that take his place. So this morning, as I'm ending off this series on grace, I want you to ask yourselves two questions. Sorry, I just want to go to Peter. Sorry, the next slide there, 1 Peter 5, 5 to 6. It says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. It's all about humility and not false humility, folks. Not a, oh, I'm so rubbish, and oh, I can't do this, and oh, no, Mike, don't ask me to preach. I'm not a good speaker. Oh, you know, that's, not, that's not humility. Humility is knowing that the only reason I can stand here this morning and share God's word with you is because of God in my life, because of what Jesus has done in my life, because of the journey I've walked since I was 14 years old. Just now, Ronaldo said he finished school six years ago. <clears throat> and I sat here thinking, hmm, wonder if I should mention how many years ago I finished school. Most of you weren't even born when I matriculated. So, but um, I've been a Christian for 30 years. Last year was 30 years since I gave my heart to the Lord. And what God has done in my life in the last 30 years, I cannot explain to you. But the one thing I, I said to Mike last night is that I really feel like the issue of his grace has been settled for me. Not in a proud way. There are still days where I go, yeah, Lord, I, I need, I, I don't get this. I'm, I'm still working through aspects of it, wrestling through it. But I believe that knowledge that I have eternal life with him because Jesus died. And because Jesus justified me, he wiped my slate clean. It settled in my heart. If I die right now, I have no doubt that I'm going to see Jesus face to face. The moment that last breath leaves my body. And the second thing I know without a shadow of a doubt is that he loves me. And that he loves me so much that he didn't want to leave me like I was. He didn't want to leave me bound by the things that bound me, by the sin that kept me from moving forward. And even right now today, there are things that I'm working through in my life. None of us are perfect. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you'll never be perfect. And I truly believe that even today, God is touching one aspect of your life, that he's saying, Will you bow the knee? Will you be obedient on this one thing that I'm asking you to deal with? I believe that when we come to God and we say, Lord, I'm a sinner, help me. 
He lines up the issues, one after the other. Satan wants you to see them all. Right, I laughed, Mike last night says he wants you to see legion, okay, which is the demon with the thousand more demons. The devil wants you to see all your sins in front of you like a multitude and you just look at all of this and go, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. But what God does is he lines them up in one straight line and he says, let's deal with this one first today. Will you repent of this? Repentance means turning away where you leave that behind you and you walk in another direction. For me, Facebook, it means leave Facebook behind. I don't have to spend so much time on it and walk in a different direction, okay? Whatever the sin might be, swearing, smoking, drinking, gossiping, whatever it might be, what is God identifying today? And you know what the incredible thing is? When God deals with this today, most of the time, it kills about 50 behind it because this was a big one. So it takes the next 50 out with it. And then the next one stands up and God says, okay, now let's deal with this one. Because he loves us, folks. Not because he's a strict dad that wants to whip us. And I know that there's an element of God's love that I never understood until I had children. And now that I've got these two incredible boys, there are days where they are so naughty that everything in me wants to go and baptize them in the pool for a long, long time. Just hold them down until the bubbles come out. But I love them. I love them so much. And if I think of what I would do for them, to give them the best, to give them every opportunity I can give them. What I would sacrifice for my kids, little things, folks, that we sacrifice every single day for our children. And I think God gave his son. I'm sorry, I love you guys, but I wouldn't sacrifice my child for one of you. And that's just the truth of it, okay? I'm not gonna stand here and say I love you more. I don't, but God loved you so much more that he said, even if you were the only one, I would sacrifice and I would give my son. So this morning, remember, it's those two things. Will you recognize that you are a horrible sinner, but loved by God, so that you can bow your knee and say, Lord, I sinned, but I receive your love. I receive your amazing, amazing grace to in this present day, today, Say no to the things that keep me from living the life that you have prepared and destined for me.